Hello and welcome once again to our daily devotional podcast. Today we want to talk about the other manifestations of the Holy Spirit, two of which we deal with in this, in this chapter 4. The first is the courage, the boldness that the Holy Spirit gives to us. The second is a different vo- view of people and community and that of possessions. Now we call that generosity. And so today what we'll look at are boldness and generosity, two powerful manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But before we go into our lesson proper, I thought perhaps to teach you one other way of allowing God to work. You see, we could be reading the Word of God, we could be going to church and becoming Christians, and yet never have a change in our lives. It is only when we allow God to change us and if we ask God to change us that God actually does change us. And so just listening to this podcast or reading the Bible and then doing our quiet time it may sound good, but it may not be of any help to us unless we open ourselves to God to transform our lives. And so one prayer that I think is very necessary is that we ask God to search our hearts and then bring out all the things that need to be changed. Be assured that God doesn't do it all of a sudden, one whole stack of things. But He brings it out gently, quietly, allowing us time to change, time for Him to mold us. The psalmist in Psalm 139 says, Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the ways everlasting. What the psalmist is saying then is, every day search my heart. Know my thoughts. Know what's deepest in me, not just my actions. We these days, and I'll deal with that tomorrow, uh, more about that tomorrow, but nowadays we look very much at the external. Was I seen? Was I caught? Until it becomes almost second nature to us that we don't care what's happening within us. We only care for what people see of us. And that is really a tragedy. But if we need to change, it has to be changed from within. And therefore we ask God, search my heart, know the deepest thoughts, and then lead me in the way that leads to life. It's a simple prayer. It's just saying to God, dear God, for today, show me the things that need to change. Give me the grace to change my life. And then God will do the rest of it. All it calls from us is a willingness to be shown errors of our ways, the willingness to be taught, the willingness to be transformed. But it is a very necessary prayer as we open ourselves up to God. So now let's look at Acts chapter 4. Let's pray. Father, speak your truths to us. Help us, Lord, to know you and to know the power that comes when the Holy Spirit is upon us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts 4. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, 
because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they, were arrest, and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were with the high priestly family. And when they had set this, them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven among, given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than forty years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our David, Father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were given the testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses 
sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph was also called by the apostle Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold the field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There was a very, very great contrast between Peter before the crucifixion and the Peter after the crucifixion. He is almost unrecognisable. Remember three times he boasted of how brave he would be and how he would stand by his Lord Jesus. And yet when put to the test, he was only confronted by a servant girl, by small, simple, unknown people. And even to them, he denied that he knew Jesus. And yet here he was, not just talking to people. It's one thing in Acts 3 to talk to common people and tell them about Jesus and how they had crucified Jesus and how God had raised him. But now Peter and John were dragged before the rulers of the temple. Now the, let me give you a bit of background. The Sadducees, in verse 1, the Sadducees, the priests and the captain of the temple. Now the priests, the high priests, were largely from the sect of the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the aristocracy. They were the higher-ups, the noble-born, the rich Jews, Jewish leaders. Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection from the dead. They did not believe in angels either. In some ways, they were the very liberal, secular, almost secular rulers of the temple. That's a paradox, isn't it? They were in charge of the temple and the offerings, but they were more liberal in their beliefs than the Pharisees. The Pharisees are just the opposite of the Sadducees. They believed in resurrection of the dead. They believed in angels. They were very strict in their observance of the law. The Sadducees were less so. And so when the Sadducees and the chief priests and the elders heard that Peter and Paul were preaching Jesus, the res of, of proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, they were very annoyed. Why? Because of course this was going against their theology. And so they hauled up Peter and John. Now this time when they, the people who hauled Peter and John up were not simple people, they were not slaves or slave girls, they were not even the common people. They were the top echelon of the temple. And they spoke in very intimidating ways. They challenged Peter and John, by what power, by what name do you do this? And later on, they, in verse 18, they charged them, called them and charged them not to speak at all in the name of Jesus. So these were a group of church leaders or temple leaders who were not interested in listening to the truth at all. They had only one agenda. They were irritated. And because of the irritation and their power, they could intimidate Peter and John, they could order them not to speak. But this time, Peter had changed. The difference was that he was listening to a totally different voice. He was no longer listening to the voice of intimidation or the voice of fear. In verse 8, it says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, and then the things that he said would have surprised or shocked Peter even. 
because he said, Let it be known to all of you, to the people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. This is the Jesus who was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Such boldness. Peter wasn't just sheepishly saying, Oh, well, yeah, I know him. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But rather he confronted the leaders of the temple and he said, This is the same Jesus whom you killed. The last time they killed Jesus, Peter was hiding away. This time he was staring the Sadducees in the face and saying, This was the man whom you killed, whom you rejected, by whose name we are doing these miracles. Something very deep, very radical had happened to Peter. And the difference then is that he started to, he was listening to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit testifying to him the truth. He was emboldened. No longer was he terrified. No longer could they intimidate Peter. Even after they had, the Sadducees and the chief priests had told Peter, Stop it, you may go, but don't ever preach or teach the name of Jesus again. Peter simply said, Well, um, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot speak of what we have seen and heard. Peter was challenging the temple officials. It's up to you to decide whether you want to tell the truth or, want to, or whether you want to listen to lies. For us, we will speak the truth. How powerful it is when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and makes a radical change in our lives, teaching us to listen to His voice rather than to the voice of intimidation. Although in this case it was about Jesus standing up for Jesus, there are many times when we are called also to stand up for the truth. Sometimes it's things that we know to be true, but others deny it. And in these cases, it's easy for us just to keep quiet. Well, sometimes it's wise, but sometimes we just go with the flow and don't want to shake everyone else. <coughs> and, often, <coughs> excuse me, and often the reason is that we feel intimidated. And it happens very often in the church too. That you may believe very strongly in the truth and you may have done your research, you may have prayed hard and you know that what you say is the truth. But there are all others who are thinking differently and who are speaking very loudly about, that, that, about things that they do not know, the things that they disagree with you and you feel intimidated, you don't want to speak up. And yet, as you listen carefully to the Holy Spirit, and if the Holy Spirit says to you, stand up for the truth, whether it is in your workplace or whether it is in the church, wherever it is, if it is the Holy Spirit prompting you, then listen to the voice of the Spirit and not to the voice of fear and intimidation. Allow the Holy Spirit to start guiding you now there is this part too where they declared in verse 12 that there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now this is a very clear statement. 
that it is only in the name of Jesus that we are saved. But we have misunderstood this so many times as well. Because while we often, traditional Christianity often holds that to be true, we see salvation as something about life after death. And so often when, we quote, when this passage is quoted, it's like, well, you're going to hell unless you believe in this name. You're going to hell because you are of a different religion, because you don't believe in the name of Jesus. This is not at all what Peter was saying on the intention of God. What he's saying is that yes, Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he is the only one who can save us. But he is the one who can save us by his humility. Even as we picture Jesus as King of heaven and King of kings and Lord of lords, it helps us to picture him as a lamb, a lamb that was slain, a lamb that was slaughtered, a gentle, meek lamb that is non-aggressive, that reaches out in love. It is this Jesus who saves. And so whenever we quote this passage triumphantly, as if the church was the most powerful thing, and we say, come, you, if you want to live forever, you must be a Christian because it is by his name. You need to remember this. It is this Jesus who saves us not only in the afterlife, but it is this Jesus who saves us now from the frantic fighting, the violence, the dominance, the pride, the arrogance of this life. It is this Jesus who is a lamb slain, who offers his life to be killed for others. It is this Jesus who saves us from the corruption of this world. It is a gentle, caring, loving Jesus who will save us from the violence of the world. Now when we begin to preach this gospel instead, that the Lamb is the King, it makes all the difference in our demeanour and the way we interact with others. For Jesus is the servant King, the King who comes among us to serve. That's how he saves us. Not because he's some supernatural name that we call upon and then instantly we get to heaven, but rather he is the servant king who comes alongside us and helps us and transforms us and therefore saves us. Now these apostles then, though they were nothing, not only were they hauled up to listen to, to be threatened by the leaders, well-educated leaders, these people were nobodies. They were not educated, they had no standing, social standing, and yet they had performed a miracle and they were speaking boldly to the church, the temple leaders. And then, after they were released, listen to what they prayed about. They said first that God, in verse 24, that He is the sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it. He is God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he knew that people would plot. Long before he prophesied, the people would plot. The Gentiles rage. The kings of the earth would go against Jesus. And then, here, Peter mentions a very unholy union. He says in verse 27, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate was in charge of the Romans, Herod was king of the Jews, and yet the two conspired together, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, 
Jews and Gentiles never mixed. The Jews always saw Gentiles as unclean and a different people, a foreign people. They would never work together. And yet here, against Jesus, the Gentiles and the people of Israel, Herod and Pontius Pilate would conspire together to kill, to silence the Lamb, to silence Jesus Christ. This was a cosmic battle. We need to know that we will always be fighting such a battle where forces of our religion and forces of other religions will come together to do battle against the truth of Christ. The Jews and the Gentiles would go against Jesus. And yet, listen to the prayer that, that the disciples prayed. They did not pray that the tribulations, the persecution would be taken away. Nothing of that sort. They prayed instead for boldness to preach. And then they prayed that God in His power would do the rest of the work with signs and wonders. It would not be them, it would be God. Their role was just to be bold and to do that which is necessary. I think this is a very necessary prayer for us today as well. First of all, there is of course COVID. Under COVID, we could either cower in fear and pray and pray that God will remove it as quickly as possible. Or we could pray that we be bold to do the things that are necessary, not to break the law, but within the constraints of safety, of care for the community, that we pray instead for ways of reaching out, to, for ways of loving others, for ways of going to the aid of others. We pray for creativity because we know that this is the same God, the creator of heaven and earth and everything beneath it. He is the creator of all things. He knows what the COVID is all about. He knows what the vaccines are all about. He knows where all the resources for helping people are. And if we will then pray to this God and ask him, God, help us to see how we can use whatever resources you've given to us to minister to the people who are in pain, both in our church as well as outside of our church, within the community. Open our eyes to see Help us not to listen to the voice of fear, but the voice of your Holy Spirit. And then send us forth, but as you send us forth, come with us with your power to heal and to work mighty things, that people might turn to you. And so when we start praying like this together with boldness, believing that we have a God who has all the answers and who sends us forth, I believe that will make a big change in our lives personally and in the life of the church as well. It is one of the things that the Holy Spirit does to us to transform us. The second thing then is generosity. In, from verse 32 to verse 37, it talks about the believers believing with of being of one heart and soul. They were united. But they also, it also said that no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. The disciples, the believers, began sharing what they had with each other. And yet in the next chapter, it says that Paul, Peter says to them, you always have the freedom to hold back what you want. 
they're still yours. It doesn't mean that once, once you come together, these are not your things. They remain your possessions. But it's up to you, really, what God does with your heart. If God convicts you to share, then share and do not hold it back. It is always our choice. But what happens is that we see the power of the Holy Spirit in transforming lives. It transforms the lives of believers in such powerful ways that they would look at each other differently. They would look at each other as family, as their very own. And then they would take their possessions and give to those who had need so that no one else had any need at all. And then it tells us the story of Barnabas who then sells his piece of land and gives it, lays it at the apostles' feet. He set an example. To him it was, this is the time to do something powerful. Let me do it now. COVID-19 is also an opportunity, an occasion, an event where there will be many, many people in need. Some will have been much impoverished by COVID-19. Others will be much enriched by COVID-19. And yet if we stop looking so hard at the money that we have or the money that we gain or the profits or the losses, but if we started looking each other with compassion and feeling that they are one of us, people to whom our hearts move to. You see, giving is not one of compulsion. Never ever feel guilty that you don't give. Never allow another person to emotionally blackmail you to give. Nothing of that sort. No guilt trips. You are free to keep what you have. But when you start looking at others with the eyes of the Holy Spirit, Perhaps you can see people differently and then give from our hearts and give as your heart leads you to. But these were the two very notable changes that the Holy Spirit did among the believers. A boldness and listening to the voice of the Spirit rather than the voice of fear and seeing others as part of one's most beloved, one's family, and sharing generously with one another then. Shall we pray? Father, even as you have poured your Spirit upon us, change us by your Holy Spirit. Transform us, not by guilt and shame and emotional blackmail, but simply by the power of your Holy Spirit and the power of your love. For you are the servant king, the lamb that was slain. And you came to save us, not just for eternity, but from this, the corruption of this age. The corruption that, shows, that tells us that money is more important than anything else. That shows us that showing a good image is more important than the inner life. That tells us, that tells us so many lies about our lives that teaches us to fear people all the time rather than to stand for the truth. We ask now that you will save us from this corruption. Come, Lord Jesus, come and live in us and transform our lives, that no longer will we be slaves to evil and slaves to the corrupt system of this world, the thoughts of this world, 
but make us instead free people, free men, women and children, that we may live life abundantly. And so Lord, come and work in us. Give us a boldness that we never had, a boldness that comes from listening to your voice instead of the voice of fear. Give us a compassion that helps, allows us to see one another and to see others as precious to us. That our hearts will be broken by their suffering. That we may then give of ourselves and our possessions for them. Do this work in us, Lord, as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, have a blessed week and goodbye.